Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Many signs and wonders were done among the people at the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the others dared to join them, but the people esteemed them. Yet more than ever, believers in the Lord, great numbers of men and women, were added to them. Thus, they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on one or another of them. A large number of people from the towns in the vicinity of Jerusalem also gathered, bringing the sick and those disturbed by unclean spirits. And they were all cured. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love is everlasting. Let the house of Israel say, His mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love is everlasting. I was hard-pressed and was falling, but the Lord came to help me. My strength and my courage is the Lord, and He has been my Savior. The joyful shout of victory in the tents of the just. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love is everlasting. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done. It is wonderful in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love is everlasting. A reading from the book of Revelation. I, John, your brother, who share with you the distress, the kingdom, and the endurance we have in Jesus, found myself on the island called Patmos, because I proclaimed God's word and gave testimony to Jesus. I was caught up in spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a voice as loud as a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see. Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. And when I turned, I saw seven gold lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, wearing an ankle-length robe with a gold sash around his chest. When I caught sight of him, I fell down at his feet as though dead. He touched me with his right hand and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, the one who lives. Once I was dead, but now I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys to death and the netherworld. Write down, therefore, what you have seen, and what is happening, and what will happen afterwards. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, 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 
Alleluia. You believe in me, Thomas, because you have seen me, says the Lord. Blessed are they who have not seen me, but still believe. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written, that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, my brothers and sisters, a very blessed Divine Mercy Sunday. This is the octave of Easter. This is the second Sunday of Easter. Easter continues for a whole 50-day season. And later in the season, of course, we'll have the Feast of the Ascension, when 40 days after he rose, our Lord ascended bodily into heaven. And then 10 days after that, the Feast of Pentecost. It's a marvelous season where we go right to the heart of the events that save us. And St. John Paul II designated this octave of Easter, this second Sunday of Easter, one week after Easter Sunday itself, to be Divine Mercy Sunday because we see the readings, how clear it is that God is merciful, that his very death and resurrection is what establishes and brings us mercy, and how on this Easter night, 
he gives to his disciples the authority to forgive sins. The first priests here, whose sins you forgive are forgiven, whose sins you retain are retained. Well, to know the difference of whether the sins should be forgiven or retained, one has to know the sins, and therefore it, it's the basis for confessing those sins to the ordained priest. So this, these apostles receive this tremendous gift, but we all receive by means of our baptism, by means of the same Holy Spirit who has been poured out on us, the commission to proclaim his mercy to the world. Every believer in the mercy of God is also an apostle of the mercy of God. We spread that urgent invitation for mercy. And this is not adding something on top of the faith. This is the core of it. Jesus died for a reason. He rose for a reason to reconcile all people to God. Bring them back in. Bring them into the fold. Bring them into the church. Wash away their sins. But they have to do something about it. Mercy is not just something we passively receive. That would be a terrible dilution of the rich power and meaning of mercy. If we think of it as just as God saying, well, just, you know, sit back, relax, everything's okay. I'll take care of it. No, God says to us, we'll take care of it. We'll take care of it together. You repent and put faith in me. Jesus is commanding here when he, he sees Thomas come to believe, but then he commands, believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. We have to put faith in him. We have to repent of sins. We have to be baptized so that with the flowing of that water, which was pointed to by the water that flowed from his very side on the cross, we can have indeed that mercy regenerate us, not only wash away our sins, but make us sons and daughters of God. We share eternal life starting now. This is the whole gift of mercy. Now, mercy actually starts with something else. Mercy doesn't start with the forgiveness of our sins. It doesn't start with the death and resurrection of Christ. Where does it start? What was God's first act of mercy to you? Creation. His first act of mercy to you was to make you. Because you couldn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't ask for it. You weren't there to do those things. And even if you were there, and even if you had asked for it, you could never earn it. It's a freely given gift of His mercy. God's first act of mercy is to make us. And then, although we rebel against Him and we sin... His mercy continues to pursue us because that mercy ultimately is geared towards and focused on and has the purpose of uniting us with himself, making us like him, making us his sons and daughters. Mercy. This is why mercy is infinite. It's not just, oh, God is really good. He wants to forgive us a whole lot of times. It's deeper than that. God wants us to be like him. He wants us to share his life. But he's God. He's infinite. We can never be equal to God, but we can share his life. And we can share his life forever. This is why mercy is infinite. Now, we cannot get into heaven with sin. So it's his mercy, then, that purifies us 
of sin in this life. That's why we suffer. That's why we have to suffer. That's why there are trials. Scripture makes it clear. You have trials so that your faith may be perfected. And in faith, we have eternal life. The Lord brought these people to healing that we read about in today's first reading. And we'll be reading from the Acts of the Apostles throughout the Easter season. And we'll see this constant outpouring of activity and of God's miracles and grace and repentance and baptism and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Throughout the Acts of the Apostles, we will see this over this 50-day Easter season. Understand, it's all about mercy and all of this healing of the sick is the expression of the mercy that wants us to share the very life of God. It's not just about doing good. It's about the healing being a sign of what happens to us when we believe in Jesus Christ. That's why it's such a mistake for some who think they are missionaries of the gospel but shut up about the name of Jesus Christ and they say, well, let's just do good to people. No, 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 this is not what this is, not what this is about. This is about putting faith in the only Lord, the only Savior, the only one who is God-made man, the only one who in the flesh suffered, bled, died, and then rose again in order to give us his very life. There's only one who did that. There's only one capable of doing that. There's only one capable of giving us healing that lasts forever. Only one capable of giving us a life that survives even the grave. Not just a meal that overcomes temporary hunger, but food that endures to life eternal. It's Jesus Christ. Let's never let our faith, let's never let, never let mercy just be reduced to kindness or just be reduced to doing good. Or, oh, my brother is hungry, let me feed him. My sister is thirsty, let me give her to drink. Those things flow from our faith. We do those things. The Lord commands those things. But it's from our faith. And it points to something bigger. How do we get healed of hunger forever? How do we overcome even death? That's what divine mercy is about. So now we know, and when I go back to the altar, you'll see again behind me the image of the divine mercy made known by St. Faustina. And this saint who received these revelations of divine mercy from Jesus and wrote the beautiful diary exp uh, explaining to us her experiences and from whom we learn the chaplet of divine mercy, that beautiful uh, prayer said by so many uh, believers uh, becoming increasingly popular. She made known to us some dimensions of God's mercy that that image conveys. First of all, you see the two rays that come out from Jesus. One representing the water, the clear one, the other one reddish color representing the blood. Because on Good Friday, blood and water flowed from his side when the soldier's lance pierced it. Water. Baptism, when we accept it in faith, brings us that forgiveness of sins and that eternal life. Blood, well, we drink the blood of Jesus. We eat his body and drink his blood in the Eucharist. Through that bread of life, we have eternal life. Those rays are not just 
coming down. The reason they look like they're coming down is that it's a two-dimensional image. They're actually coming straight out, straight out at you and me and all of us. From whom? From our great high priest. Remember, in the Old Testament, the high priest would go in to a room called the Holy of Holies in the middle of the temple once a year, and he would perform a ritual for the forgiveness of the sins of the people. That included the sprinkling of blood. He would come out and then declare to the people their sins are forgiven for that year. Now, the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament reminds us of all of that and says, now Jesus is our high priest. As a matter of fact, we can say that the very existence of that ritual was a prophecy of what happened on Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday. It was a prophecy of what Christ would do as our great high priest. The temple, Jesus himself said, is his body. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And people who heard him were astonished at that. But you see everything coming to fulfillment now. Because it's not the blood of the animals that the high priest, the human high priest, was sprinkling first for his own sins and then for those of the people that can ultimately give us eternal redemption. It's only the blood of God. And the blood of God has been shed. The blood of infinite value has been shed for us. So Jesus is the great high priest who enters a sanctuary, a holy of holies, not made by human hands, the holy of holies, which is his body, the holy of holies in heaven. He enters with his own blood, not that of any creature. And now he achieves forgiveness, not for his sins, because he had none, but for all sin, for all time, and it only had to be done once. The one eternal sacrifice. So when we see this image of divine mercy, you know what we're seeing? We're seeing Jesus, the high priest, having done the ritual of sprinkling the blood, having entered the Holy of Holies in his own flesh, now comes out and reveals to us that our sins are forgiven. He did this there. Peace be with you, he said as they were gathered in that upper room. See my hands, see the wounds by which your sins are forgiven, and I give you the forgiveness of sins and the commission to impart it to others. This is divine mercy. There's a special connection, finally, between this devotion to divine mercy that St. Faustina revealed to us and our struggle, our common struggle, to end abortion, the shedding of the innocent blood of babies in the womb. What is that connection? Well, first of all, in her diary, in section 1276, St. Faustina said, you know, I had this strange experience of being from 8 to 11 in the evening for a period of time, experiencing these terrible pains in my abdomen. And the Lord, I, when I asked him to take the pains away, explained that they were representing mothers who were aborting their children. And when God told her, invoke my mercy so that my punishment will not land on the world, and it came to her initially as landing on one of the cities there in Poland, Warsaw to be specific, 
he, she was asked later by her confessor, was there some kind of sin in particular that the Lord was concerned about invoking his mercy for? And she said, yes. Of course, we're talking about forgiving the sins of the whole world, all the sins. But in particular, she said, for the sin of abortion. The most grievous of all. We invoke God's mercy on the world. We cannot forget the most grievous sin of all. We're not saying, and she did not say it was the only sin for which we have to invoke God's mercy. She was saying it was the most grievous of all. Brothers and sisters, the pro-life movement has embraced the chaplet of divine mercy because we who oppose abortion do not oppose those who have abortions. Rather, we serve them. We embrace them. We realize that the evil of abortion does not only destroy that baby, it destroys everybody within its, its reach. Everybody. Destroys the mother, destroys the father, destroys the grandparents, destroys the sibling, wounds us all, devastates us all. And brothers and sisters, that's where we need mercy. Mercy that goes even beyond the forgiveness of the sin itself to the full healing of the human person. Reconciling all the relationships in our lives that are damaged by abortion. This month of April is Abortion Recovery Awareness Month and we've been doing special broadcasts and publications and articles about that. And it's so important. And brothers and sisters, we have had the beautiful privilege here at Priest for Life of overseeing for a long time, and we continue to do so, the Rachel's Vineyard Healing Ministries throughout the world. And I've been able to minister to people who have had abortions, one abortion, two abortions, five abortions, ten abortions. I even ministered to someone who had 26 abortions. Yes, even for her and those like her. Upon repenting of her sins, she can find the peace and mercy of God and even become a saint. No one should think that hope is lost. No one should think that forgiveness is outside their reach. No one should think for a moment that God has abandoned them. He hasn't. He seeks us out with his mercy and he makes all of us joyful signs of that mercy. Let's do it together. Let's proclaim His mercy. Let's celebrate it. Let's end abortion. Let's bring all the wounded to the healing of the Lord. If you want to specifically show people where they can find healing after abortion, remember this web address, abortionforgiveness, abortionforgiveness.com. You can find there putting in your zip code various programs and opportunities for the healing, the counseling that may be needed, the peace that Christ wants to give after abortion or after any kind of sin. And that is where our silent no more effort, where those who have been through abortion and healing share their stories publicly, is also such a great way to spread God's mercy. You want to spread God's mercy, go to abortiontestimonies.com Take those stories and share them with others. 
What an expression of God's mercy because if a mother can stand there and say, I had my children killed, but God, after I repented, showed me mercy. How much will that inspire someone who might say, I have had nothing to do with abortion, but I've got plenty of other sins. And maybe there's mercy for me too. And there is. Spread the word. Spread the testimonies. Abortiontestimonies.com. Abortionforgiveness.com. Whether it's for abortion or any other sin, let us today put ourselves in that room with those other disciples saw the risen Lord as they rejoiced when they saw the Lord let us today rejoice and as they received his gift of peace when he spoke it to them let us receive that peace again today and witness to it before all the world amen This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.